Hi, everyone, um, and welcome to a new episode of The View podcast. I'm Akshara, your host for today, and I have with me Ashwini Ashokan, the founder and CEO of View.ai. Um, in our previous episodes, we focused on changes in the retail industry, brand building, um, omni-channel experiences, and the advancement uh, and adoption of technology and automation in retail. Today, our episode is going to focus on the rapid growth of the LATAM retail market, and we're very, very excited to introduce our guest. Our guest for today is the wonderful Karen Brook, the Senior Director, Hispanic South America Markets at Mercado Libre. She's responsible for the Mercado Libre operations of Argentina, Chile, Colombia, Peru, Uruguay, and Venezuela. A large part of her role as Senior Director is to ensure that the strategy and the business, as well as the product development for each country, is executed seamlessly. Uh, welcome, Karen. Thank you, Akshara. How are you? How are you, Shwini? Thank you for having me. I think it's a complete pleasure, and we've been waiting to have you with us here, so we're super glad. So, Karen, you've been, um, you know, at Mercado Libre for almost five years now. Uh, and in this time, there's been a lot of changes in retail, right? Um, internet penetration is now at 61% in Latin America. Uh, you know, the new Latin consumer is so much more objective and they're so much more knowledgeable. And so many market research reports are now talking about how 54% of the population will soon be e-commerce completely by 2021. Um, in your time in the last five years, what are some of the biggest changes that you've seen? So Latin America has been uh, growing in terms of GDP, but also in terms of uh, being a lot more techie and uh, digitalized. So as you said, a lot more people are now on the Internet. Uh, the mobile uh, wave that has been seen, you know, we have been seeing in the U.S. and in Asia has come to Latin America. And I would say the penetrations that we see are even higher than in other markets, just because right. it's easier for users to be on their phone rather than buying a phone and a laptop. So they all have smartphones. We see our mobile penetration for Mercado Libre is upwards of 75% in terms of traffic and more than 55% in terms of uh, everything we sell. So, you know, I think that the mobile um, uh, trend is is really where we're going and, and it's not even mobile first, it's to, almost just mobile at this point right um so yeah th th those are, are some of the trends and also the whole integration of the uh, digital payments ecosystem which has been really interesting in latin america uh, a region where historically not a lot of people were um, you know had bank accounts and now right. most of the people you know depending on which country we look at but a lot of people you know in, different penetrations but a lot of people are now have bank accounts and are digitalized and can pay online so all of that is it has been really great for for the industry and the business right um and you know when you're talking about payments uh, it's sort of interesting because um we know that mercado libre itself has launched its own payment gateway so have you seen like major changes uh since then yeah, so really our, our Mercado Pago, which is our, our uh, payment gateway and solution, has been mm -hmm. launched since the very beginnings of, of the company. But really we've been pushing it so that uh, all of the users can have a more holistic and, and better experience. We, we keep looking at our NPS metrics and we saw that when 
um, a user will pay with our payment solution and not in cash, uh, the right. NPS is much, much higher. So, you know, the, the return rate is higher. That's why we're saying, you know what, this is an online platform. We're going to, you know, have 100% of our online payments uh, in, on our site. Also, there's been, you know, a lot of growth for Mercado Libre in the last quarter itself. Um, you know, we keep seeing in the news that the growth numbers for Mercado Libre are sizzling, they're incredible, they're better than so many of the other competitors in Latin America itself. Um, and in fact, your transactions were up by about 67%. And, you know, your mobile gross merchandise volume grew to 58.1%. And that's incredible. Um, do you... Or do these numbers surpass what the brand had envisioned earlier in this year for quarter three? Uh, no, we actually had even more aggressive plans. Um, <laughs> but, but you know, that's who we are. We really want to move fast and, and be leaders in the countries where we're at. So our plans are very aggressive and our speed is really, really fast. So we try to, to you know, um, improve ourselves all the time. And we, we really are hoping to have, you know, we're now at the upwards of 60% of growth year over year. We want to be, you know, even uh, at the 80s, depending on, on which country we're at. But we really think that uh, the, you know, our users can come a lot more often to our platform. So right now, you know, um, each user will come on average eight times times a year to buy our uh, Mercado Libre. And we know that uh, some of our competitors in China, you know, users will come 50 times a year. So we really need to right. work on that frequency and having, you know, people happier with their experience so they come more often now. Karen, I mean, for, for a marketplace that's this huge, right, really large in terms of just uh, the size of the company, and I get it, your your point about China, and, and everything is bigger in China, but I mean, what, to grow at that 60%, 80% at this point in the in, in the company's journey is pretty incredible. What, what is really fueling that? I mean, and, and what are the areas where, you know, you guys are very consciously in, uh, investing in, or and even from a value proposition perspective, what do you think is really driving that kind of insane growth at this point? So basically, um, we invest a lot in the experience, right? So everything that has to do with what will make the user happy and what will make him come more often, as I said. So uh, what we call our ecosystem of payments and logistics and the experience on our platform is is really what we're working on in, in the past uh quarters. So for instance, we've invested a lot in our, uh, to, to improve our logistics solution. So historically, we would focus mainly on, um, you know, having good relationships with the FedEx and the DHLs of this world. And that has been great. And we have, a, a, you know, a very good solution. But we also realized that at some point we had to have our own fulfillment centers, uh, which might be a no-brainer for any retailer in, in you know, in, in the developed develop country. But in developing countries, especially if you are a marketplace, a pure marketplace like we are right now, having our own fulfillment centers is, is completely new to us. So we had to really uh, push the bar and, and 
learn how to uh, build these and manage these and operate all these fulfillment centers. So we've improved our experience there. And also, as we were mentioning, in terms of payments, we are really, you know, uh, pushing ourselves to be the best solution platform in Latin America. And that means doing the thing, doing it the way Latin America people, uh, you know, will want to um, uh, interact with us. So it means, for instance, uh, to have free installments, which is something, again, in the developed world is very rare. But in Latin America, people are used to paying in installments. So we have that solution. Right. Or or to be able to pay in cash, at, you know, at, at a small mom and pop shop and then, you know, have that money being uh, inserted into the digital platform. Those are all uh, sort of different things that we do here in Latin America to be able to be more inclusive with all of the different sectors in our population. So, so then a huge portion of it you're, you're referring to is around logistics and, and the finances and the, and the payments. And so there's, there's clearly a huge portion of that there in terms of just the fulfillment piece of the puzzle. What about the fashion side of the things? What about the brand side of the things? Like what, what, how does that contribute to this kind of growth and, and, and some efforts around that? Absolutely. So that, that would be the third big aspect of it, which is really as a pure marketplace that traditionally 20 years ago was launched as a C2C platform, we had a lot to do in terms of bringing in all of the more um, professional supply, right? So right now, as, if, as you enter our site, uh, you'll see that we have Nike and Adidas and Samsung and, you know, all of the big well-known brands in the world selling directly to their final customers here in Latin America. And that has been a huge, you know, innovation for us in the past three, four years, because typically those brands wouldn't come to a marketplace, but we, we, you know, um, have been developing all of these changes in terms of, you know, navigation and recommendations and how to really get the customer to to make it easier for them to find what they need so that they can come to Mercado Libre not only to buy their cell phone as I said you know once every um, two years or or 18 months but really come for any fashion basics they they need or even you know a dress for a special occasion we now have that uh, supply all of those shelves full of really interesting and beautiful products and we are um, improving and developing a better experience for those people to come and browse and, and discover their looks and be able to buy those as well. We are a pure marketplace so the you know the the broadness of our supply is really endless so um, you know I even had a um, once I went to a to a stand-up comedian um, show, and she was saying, "You even search on Google for appendicitis, and you'll find Mercado <laughs> Libre first on the search yeah. results, right?" So it's it's really that um, you know how well we 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 source our our inventory, our shelves, that we really have everything uh, you need at Mercado Libre, and we have it. You know, historically, that's what we had. But now, not only we have that supply, but also we have it at the best price and with the best experience in Latin America. So that makes it a pretty unbeatable 
um, value proposition for the user. And, and, and can you just elaborate a bit on that C2C piece of the puzzle, right? I think there are a lot of uh, companies across the globe, marketplaces that have been trying to do this whole C2C, right? And, and I'm going, like, why is that working? Like, what, what about it, about the model specifically is working? And I think, you know, from what you're explaining, I think the logistics piece, the digital payments piece, even the kind of experiences that you guys are building up, and, and almost it sounds to me like the brand presence, right? Clearly, it seems like almost everything starts at Mercado Libre to, to a large extent um, in terms of searching and where that journey begins for every customer. But I think just specifically in the context of the C2C angle here, like what is it that's working and why is it working? So I think what something that is really unique, uh, you know, for Mercado Libre is the fact that on the same platform, you have both the C2C and the B2C results or, or even the flagship stores results, but we flag them very differently, right? So C2C, you have all of the used items or the unique items that you can have, uh, you know, even in an antique shop, but you have them online, uh, which you will never find at a retailer website, right? So that's what makes it, um, you know, that variety makes it really uh, special for us. And we decided, you know, probably five, six years ago that we were going to make them um, live together on one same site as you know different to what Alibaba did with Taobab and Tmall right. where they divided their offering to be more right. C2C and B2C we have it all together but we flag them differently so that users can clearly note when something is from a flagship store or from you know a, a neighbor next door got it so um Karen one of the one of the interesting things that comes up when you look at Latin America and retail in Latin America specifically is that, you know, Brazil, Argentina and Mexico are definitely the headliners. But what's been interesting to observe, I think, is how, um, you know, Colombia and Chile are also emerging and sort of up and coming as markets for opportunity and growth. Uh, so do you see them as countries that will eventually bring in the kind of growth, uh, you know, these other countries do? for Mercado Libre specifically? Absolutely, yeah. I mean, Colombia, for instance, is a country that has um, 40 million uh, inhabitants in their country. 40 million, that's, you know, larger than Argentina itself. Right. Uh, but what we've seen is that they are lagging a little behind in terms of, you know, digital payments and the, the you know, internet penetration and all of that. But uh, fortunately, uh, these countries and, and their governments have been doing a lot of hard work in terms of including, you know, these um, different sectors of, of the population to be more digital. And clearly, they are countries with a large percentage of, of young people who will also be more, you know, native to all these uh, digital platforms. So we've seen in these countries... Um, growth rates that you know are really really amazing you know uh, even some countries were reaching uh three uh, you know triple digit growth in some months in the last year or so uh, so we we are wow. very yeah we are very uh you know bullish about uh, how these countries are going to be growing in the future right and um i mean 
beyond things like internet penetration and the mobile boom, um, how do you see technology playing a role in Latin America? And how do you see Mercado Libre being a part of that bigger picture? Um, so I think there's a lot that uh, can be done in 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 terms of becoming more uh, digitalized and and mm-hmm. in, you know in terms of technology. For instance, uh, voice technology is something that hasn't uh, been present in Latin America yet, and I think right. that's something that will you know catch on pretty quickly. The same with uh, AI, right? Um, I mean, we all have the same cell phones that you have in the U.S. and and yeah. the same laptop. So why not, you know, um, catching on that wave? I think that the the reason why we are a little behind is because the companies, you know, that have been doing business in Latin America, we are a lot behind. So we have to, again, you know, move a lot faster so that we. Uh, catch on the the different trends and and we provide those um, solutions and and tools to our own customers can you can you elaborate on that a little bit just in terms of the tools that you provide I think you know from from what we've spoken about in the past I mean clearly you guys have got you know like your whole um, tools right and your API marketplace and and all the tools that you're putting together for your sellers um, can you tell us a little bit about that because I think you know Oftentimes, you know, when when we talk to companies as as an AI company ourselves, when we go and talk to most of most um, um, marketplaces or fashion brands out there, there is this feeling that most of the integration happens in the front end, right? Like there's a, it's the sexy part of most fashion tech right. or any retail tech, right? But there's an immense amount of work and and value in kind of just just what happens when you bring technology in on the seller side on in terms of the um, tools that you build for the people that you onboard on your platform in terms of automation and I think this is a theme we've been noticing for the last three to six months it's definitely picking up across the globe and I know you guys are investing heavily in that on that side so can you tell us a little bit about that sure so you know in terms of uh, machine learning and, and being able to really uh, grow exponentially in everything we do IT-wise, we've been doing uh, a lot of really interesting initiatives. So we've improved our, uh, you know, in our payments and fraud prevention solutions, we've been doing a lot of great stuff there. So our um, numbers are much more robust now. Uh, and the same with everything that has to do with discovery, you know, from from our search algorithm to our recommendations to um, what we send on our email and, and push notifications. Everything is now, you know, taking part in this AI uh, trend and we're testing a lot. And that's why we're also partnering with companies like like yours to really push the bar and, and, and get some of those you know, uh, world standards to to kind of be introduced to our um, platform as well. So we're we're really, as I said, moving fast. But again, I think it, uh, if the solution is is really great, um, users will adopt it really really fast. Uh, some other initiative that comes to mind after traveling uh, in China in the last year a lot is. Um, the payments with a QR code. I don't know if you guys are familiar with this, but if you go to China, 
you can't uh, pay with a credit card anywhere except for hotels. I think you pay, you have to pay with your QR. In some uh, shops, they won't even accept cash. So yeah. literally, yeah. if you don't pay with your Alipay or, you know, we pay apps you are excluded <laughs> and and this has been really interesting right because it's basically a population uh you know in a developing world where in a, in a developing country where most of the population don't have bank accounts again it's very similar to what's going on in latin america and these companies found a solution to kind of say, well, we're going to include these people because they might not have bank accounts, but they have their smartphones and they have our app. So why not creating, you know, a wallet, uh, uh, you know, a digital wallet where they can pay, you know, with their apps. And that is something that we saw and we were, you know, uh, so surprised by the, the level of, uh, you know, um, penetration, how many times a day people are using this wallet that we said let's launch that right away and we did that yeah. last year so you know that's the type of thing that that we need to be um aware of and and really find a solution where um we provide something innovative and that really saves a lot of time or money to our users i mean it's happening pretty pretty crazily in india as well like you've got um almost everybody um, kind of paying through the digital wallet, you know, there was a bit of a, you know, a government push towards that as well. And I know that it, that was the same in the case of China as well, pretty heavily. But I think it's it's incredibly interesting how you can walk down the road and there's like a little mom and pop store um, there and, and you don't get, you're paying for a cup of coffee that's, that's by, it's like street food, right? And you're not paying right. with cash, you're paying for street food, which is, you know, like almost like 10 cents or, or, or like a quarter, you're essentially paying through your digital wallet and nobody is carrying money anymore and you don't have to, and so it's this huge shift is, is most certainly happened in India in the last, I would say like about year, year to two. So, so it's, it's clearly, I think, uh, you know, like a global wave going on here. Um, with with and and it's always been the case, right? Where I think with especially Brazil, Argentina, India, and I shouldn't say China in the same breath, but they've definitely been ahead of the curve. But I think there is a um, um, kind of you know this 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 is thing where you skip a couple of generations of technology and you've kind of skipped ahead, right? So you're kind of leapfrogging a whole bunch of these um, um, uh, use cases and behaviors, and and you you're seeing. Um, um, just users behaving in very different ways, shoppers behaving in very certain, very different ways than what you see in the U.S., for example, right? So th that that definitely makes a lot of sense. Exactly, and that's you know part of why we should be looking all around, and, and you know the U.S. is uh, really ahead in many different um, industries and, and initiatives, but also don't have the same problems or the same opportunities, exactly. I would say, than you know, exactly. we in, in Latin America or India have. So it's, it's great to partner with, with different and, and to look around for different solutions, not only looking north to the U.S. Yeah, that's absolutely. And I think, you know, just, just in terms of like differences, right? When we work with, um, you know, uh, Latin America or Asian countries, with the U.S., I mean, a lot of the conversations in retail in the U.S. are 
increasingly shifting towards, you know, okay, you've essentially hit up most of your base and almost everybody, just like you mentioned, everything starts in Mercado Libre in South America. Most people know, you know, most of your searches start on Amazon in the US, right? So much of it has been like taken by one player that almost everybody else is asking the question of, well, what does that mean, right? In terms of, of, of where does retail go from here? And I think the trajectory that retail is taking in the US um, is, is distinctly different than what we're seeing on the ground in most of the other countries, right? Where they are talking about like the experiential store, right? Like everything is about the store. I mean, it feels like we've gone a full cycle from, you know, talking about all things online to talking about all things offline right now, right? Everybody's opening more stores. And it's and it's not just your generic stores in the mall. You're beginning to see, you know, everything around just, just experiences, different types of experiences in store, right? Just last week at our... Um, event that we'd had, we had one of um, the investors who'd, in, who'd invest in one of the largest marketplaces in the US talk about how they're going offline and they have a gemologist and they have somebody who's advising on beauty in the store. And it's just, it's, in, it's fascinating watching online commerce first companies actually go offline because they're, they're beginning to realize that growth is looking very different for them, right? As opposed to, I think the story you're pointing out, or even some of the stories that are coming out of China, which is, you know, there's still so much market to be grown, right? There's just still so much available in terms of just um, where the growth is possible. And you're still talking 60, 80, three-digit growth numbers here in, in, in the countries that I think, um, you know, just this, I feel like size is so different um, um, as opposed to some of the things, some of the uh, retail stories we hear out of the US. So that's, that's, that's definitely the point there, yeah. Absolutely. Um, you know, in fact, uh, adding to Ashwini's point, uh, we had at a con customer conference last week, we had um, a lot of them talking about these experience visits and these efficiency visits. And there's so much about, you know, pick up at, uh, pick up at the store, pay online and these different sort of concepts of retail. Um, Sam, but can you tell us a little bit about that? And are people still shopping at stores or are they completely shopping online, Karen? So our online penetration in terms of uh, the whole retail market is very, very low. I would say it's the lowest in the world. It's uh, for Latin America, it's lower than 5%. So we're still at the tip of the iceberg, really. And I Wait, think you meant offline or online? Off online. So only 5% of retail is, is bought online. Okay, got it. Okay. So it's it's really, really low compared to, you know, 20% in Asia or, you know, upwards of 12 in the U.S. Um, and as I said, the, you know, growth in online channels, not only for Mercado Libre, but for the rest of uh, different companies has been really, really high. And that is because... Uh, people are now starting to understand how convenient it is to, to buy online. So I, I expect, you know, that penetration to grow a lot in the next two, three years. Um, and, it, and as I said, it also depends on how uh, really great our value proposition for those customers are gonna, is going to be. Um, and, and I think that the same trends that you see in other countries are beginning to happen here in, in LATAM, right? So in Argentina, 
Uh, we've seen a lot of uh, stores closing, you know, from, mm-hmm. I don't want to mention any any of the chains, but you can look it up on the news. Some of the world chains have closed many stores. Some of the local retailers have closed stores. And they have started to invest a lot in technology and on right. their online right. solution as well. Um, the good thing is that we, you know, we as Mercado Libre, we usually partner with the, the retailers, with traditional retailers. So, you know, we have some of the best um, retailers open up their flagship stores on our website. So any, you know, from Senkosud who have their, for instance, easy mm-hmm. uh, chain of home improvements, so similar to a Home Depot. Or uh, um, here in, in, in Argentina, Fravega and Garbarino, which are the best buys of Argentina. In Brazil, we have Senova and Saraiva, some of the largest retailers there of electronics and books. Right. So we have, we have uh, a lot of that retail selling online, which is pretty unique on our marketplace. And we have even developed a pickup in store solution for them. So we usually, when we go to talk to them, we just say, you know, you have stores in shopping malls. So it's the same thing if you open a store at Mercado Libre, which has by far the largest amount of um, visitors online every day. So just open another store, open your own website, you know, and, and let's partner up so that uh, we can have a better experience and we can provide that together. Wow. Um, thank you so much, Ashley, for these amazing insights, Karen. And I think, um, you know, we, we can see that Mercado Libre is going to grow exponentially in the next couple of years. As a leader in the retail business, um, what would you say are some of your best learnings throughout your career? And, and, and you know, we could add to that a little bit. You have a star-studded resume there. So how about we go, how did you get here? I mean, you clearly, um, I think I read you went to MIT and you've kind of come back. And you've been a part of Mercado Libre. Tell us a little bit about that journey and just, you know, um, um, how has it been being in retail, especially with that kind of resume? Oh, thank you. Uh, um, my mom would agree with that, actually. <laughs> yeah. um, that is um, not the most flattery you can get, though. That's the hardest <laughs> <laughs> That's the yeah. yeah, and I think it's applicable worldwide. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. So, uh, yeah, I'm from Uruguay, which is a small country in Latin America, near to Argentina and Brazil, a uh, small country of three million people. Uh, I was born and raised there, uh, went through college there, and then I moved to the U.S. pretty young, with uh, 24 years old. Um, and there I worked in retail. I did my MBA at MIT. And then I worked for uh, actually the Home Depot as their strategy manager for their their online, um, you know, section, which was starting to be a lot more interesting at at that point. This was back in 2011 uh, because it was a time when they started to realize that not only online was becoming the the largest growing part of their business, but also that uh, every single customer will first look online before going to a store. So, you know, at some point, even their marketing department started to to merge with their online department and all sorts of interesting 
things going on and we started to talk about mobile at the time and pick up in store and all those things that that was great to learn as a retailer and then i moved uh back to uruguay where i thought about um going back to a family business that that we have there in uruguay as a family mm-hmm. um but at at that point someone from uh mercado libre contacted me and i thought well this is uh, a great company it's almost like working in Uruguay, but for a Silicon Valley type of company, because, you know, if you come to our offices, it's almost like working at, you know, at Google or Facebook. And, and the type of challenges are, are really, um, you know, same challenges I would have at, at a Home Depot or, again, at, at a, one of these super uh, large companies. Mercado Libre is a company that is um, listed on NASDAQ, uh, you know, top 100 uh, companies in in terms of uh, IT, so you know, it, for me it was um, a, a crazy journey, a journey that I didn't expect. Because going back to Uruguay, I thought, well, I'm gonna you know work for for this family business and yeah. and take it easy. I had two little babies at the time, uh, but fortunately, I I got this job offer to to lead the operation in Uruguay and then uh, to to. I moved to Argentina to to take this regional role, and it's been a, a crazy ride of five, more than five years, but a, a, a delightful one, because you know I've been That's yeah I've been growing with the company uh, a lot. That sounds amazing. Um, you know, Karen, we'd like to sort of end this podcast with a really fun rapid fire round, like I'd already told you. Um, so we're gonna start now, and we want you to give us like. What's at the top of your mind? So um, what's your favorite social media to use and why? So I would say it's inter- Instagram, just because it's very visual and, uh, you know, it doesn't make me think. And, and those are the 15 minutes I spend on Instagram. It's just browsing around and not thinking. Right. Um, and what is the one retail trend or word that you think is super overused? Uh, omnichannel. <laughs> yeah. This is a fairly universal like word like almost everybody that comes here says that so so absolutely i guess <laughs> no matter where you are in the world i guess the answer is the same <laughs> right. it, it is true uh but it is overused yes 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 we're in complete agreement um the best brand in the world that you think um you know all of us should aspire to so I think in terms of pure brand, traditional brand, uh, I would say Nike, just because I'm very influenced by the the book I just finished uh, uh, about Nike, and I, I think it's you know they made even though their products are good, uh, the the attachment that it has to the brand is insane. Um, what was the book you read actually about Nike? Um, Shoe Dog, that's the name, by Phil Knight. The the good thing about this book is I'm a, I'm now um, listening to books while I run, so oh, wow. yeah, which is which is really amazing, especially if you if you read books that are very dynamic and you know uh, running to a book about running is is pretty pretty good, <laughs> pretty motivating. <laughs> yeah, um, and what's your current uh, sort of favorite music or artist um, or a song that you like right now? Um, so this weekend I went to see the, the, um, movie about Queen, Bohemian Rhapsody, which was amazing. I I super recommend it. So I've been listening to Queen 
in the past week a lot. Um, but usually I would recommend an artist which is much more mellow uh, from Uruguay who is called Jorge Drexler. Okay. And he, okay. he, he's a poet. I mean, not a lot of people will be able to understand his lyrics, oh, wow. but he's a poet. And I'm, I've been a great fan of his, um, you know, since I was 20 years old. So. And the last, the absolute last question is, um, you know, the one thing that you ensure to do as a leader for your team? Or your I team? would say give them public credit and give them individual feedback all the time. Wow. Um, thank you so much for being a part of our podcast, Karen. Um, it's been amazing to learn about Mercado Libre, um, the things that y'all are doing in the next couple of years, your journey so far, and you know Mercado's, Mercado Libre's sort of positioning in the Latin America market. Um, we're very happy to have you here, and thank you so much once again. Very happy to, to talk to you, and I hope everyone has enjoyed it. Thank you so much. I think it was incredibly insightful. You know, at the end of the day, it's you know, so hard to meet everybody that, that, you know, we try and work very hard to go around the world to meet all of our customers to get to know them. But I think, you know, this particular mechanism has been um, super fun. It's, it's been pretty incredible just bringing people on board and just the things you learn about them. It's Thank you. I feel like I need to do a podcast with you guys now because <laughs> I want to hear about your story. <laughs> you know what? How about the two of us just meet at somewhere in the coming yes. year and then grab a drink? How about we make that, that promise to each other? Let's just find a, a spot to meet sometime this year. I'm game. Absolutely. All right. Okay. <laughs> okay. Well, thank you both. It's thank been a pleasure. Thank you so much, Karen. Thank you.